That's what we have in common. It's the, the same God, the same Father, the same Creator, the same Lord, Jesus. And so maybe if you know that, you're with me. If you're doubting it or questioning it, I'm really glad you're here too because I, I ask in the Lord that he will uh, speak to you and just reveal himself to you in such a way that you'll want Jesus to be like the center of your life and everything else will come out of that. All the other things that you are and do will, will come out of that. There, The point would be him and you. So my name's Will. I'm, I'm the pastor here. If you're joining us and you're visiting, uh, I'm glad that you're here. You're, you're catching us in a sermon series. Uh, that's not even the right way to say it. We go through a book of the Bible. And so we're in the book of John. And let's ask a question here, kind of review. Who wrote the book of John? John. Nice, nice. Okay, cool. I want to make sure you're awake. Now, it gets more complicated because there's a few Johns, right? You got like... John the, the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Then there's John the disciple of Jesus. Maybe you got a cousin John. I don't know. There's tons of Johns. Um, which John was this that wrote this? The disciple, right? Yeah, the apostle, the disciple. So a guy who walked with Jesus, saw firsthand, um, had that experience. So grab, grab your Bibles or open your Bible app or however you choose to follow. And we're going... Uh, to pick up on verse 19. John chapter 1, verse 19. So let's see if... Let me give you a couple of review in case you weren't here the past couple weeks. So two weeks ago, we were looking at this, verse 9. So if you go back a little bit, verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Something that really... On Sunday nights, we, we kind of talk more about this, but something that just that just stayed with us, was this reality. I mean, sure. Please understand something. You've got to understand we live in a world where there's lots of deception. We don't see clearly what's going on. And it, it doesn't matter, you know, which country you think is best, what political party you think is best, what ideology you think is best. The truth is that we are so blind. If you believe what the Bible says, God's ways are so far beyond and above our ways that even our best attempt to understand and explain falls far short. Do you see that? And then we argue with each other about who's off less. Like, we're all off as far as the moon is, right, to the earth and even farther, the stars beyond that. But you're like, but I'm like 10 feet closer. So I, I think I'm better than you. No. So the light, the true light, which was Jesus, came into the world. One of the things that Jesus did is he came to illuminate, first of all, what was wrong in the world systems and to lay truth over that and invite us to follow him in truth. But one, one thing we can't forget is Jesus came, I like this. This is not necessarily the language, and so you can disagree with me, but something I think that the Lord spoke to my mind and my heart on this is, do you see that language in the English language? He came into the world. Right? Like, like a bowling ball. He didn't come to join us on our parade. He came to disrupt. And I think that can be a revelation for us because 
we feel so enlightened and educated. We have so much information. Many of us have, have a whole set of experiences about God before this. Some positive, some negative, some you experienced yourself, some other people gave to you. But ultimately, we get comfortable. And so Jesus came in his day to interrupt what was going on. He was a disruptive force. He still comes today in 2022 to disrupt. You see that? And if you think you're following God in your life, in your way has not been disrupted at all, you should really be afraid. Be very afraid, right? Because like, I don't think that's the Lord of the Bible if he hasn't challenged you at all. Do you see that? And then so the next week we talked about the good news with that is that God came down and took human form in the Lord Jesus. And, and the word that we translated is dwelt. And what it means is he like set up a tent. He made a home here. And, and initially you could see it in the Old Testament. Like we likened it to, if you read in the Old Testament, Moses had a, what they call the tent of meetings. And he would go in there and talk with God like a friend would talk with you. And so he could go to the Lord for anything and everything. And, and the amazing thing is since Jesus came and when he ascended to the Father, he's like, the Lord, the Father is going to send a helper to you, and he's going to live in you. So it's as if God has set up his tent in the hearts of every, in the inside of everyone who believes. And so you and I, even though Jesus is coming to disrupt and it's going to challenge us and it's going to hurt at times, and at times it's going to be a lot of fun, he never left us alone. As a matter of fact, he lives with us. Okay, I, you guys still following me? Okay. So now we pick up here verse 19. And this is, this is the testimony of John. Okay, it's going to get confusing. Now which John are we talking about? The guy who wrote it or the Baptist? Right, John the Baptizer, right? Okay. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? So I think we forget the context of this, but understand throughout time, right, the one true God was known to a people group. And amongst those people group, over time, so many people said, hey, all the prophecies of the old days, I'm the guy or I'm the girl that's going to come fulfill these things. And time and time again, it wasn't true, right? So anytime someone gets up into the public eye and starts making all these statements, all the religious leaders start to get concerned, Okay, A big part of what they were about is protecting their own counterfeit by pointing out everyone else's counterfeit. A lot like us, right? Wasn't me. You think I'm bad, you should see. Right? This is what we do. That's what they would do. So they sent people to check out with this John guy. Man, he's baptizing people. He's saying all sorts of crazy stuff out there in the woods. We got to check this guy out. So they went to him. They're like, who are you? Who are you? And it says in verse 20, he confessed and didn't deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. 
Now, now to us, that might not mean anything. But first of all, what's the Christ? The title, the Christ. The anointed one, the Messiah. Yeah. So they were waiting for this guy to come. Are you the guy? Are you claiming to be? I think more so they were saying, are you claiming to be the guy so we can call you a liar and kill you? Right? Well, if you're not him, maybe you're Elijah, which is sort of like the reincarnated prophet Elijah of old days, because he was supposed to come before the Messiah. And in detail, if you look at the birth of John the Baptist, what was prophesied is he was coming in the spirit of Elijah to pave the way for the Messiah. So, but he wasn't Elijah himself. He came in light of that. And then the third one is, are you the prophet? The prophet, I think it's Deuteronomy 18 that, that Moses prophesied about that. So it was like the third character. Which one of these characters are you if you're sent from God? And he said, no, I'm none of those guys. So then they said, who are you in verse 22? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And then John being pretty clever. I mean, he studied his scriptures, right? So he gave him a quote right out of what we, were, what we have written down as Isaiah 40. And he said this, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Verse 24, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? All right, right, you get that? Like, who are you to be out here in the wilderness asking all of us to come to you so you can baptize us in the water if you're none of these guys? And then John answered that said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And then it tells us these things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. So you see that kind of intersection? I mean, it's starting to heat up. Right? It's starting to heat up. Man, who is this guy? Who does he say he is? What is he up to? Then the next day, it says. See, that's part of the problem. We've got we to gotta slow down sometimes because you're just reading through that. I mean, you realize that we put the chapters and the verses in there. They didn't write it that way. So sometimes we'll, we'll put weird pauses. So now all that interaction, and now it says in verse 29, the next day, he, being John, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and... This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remained on him. He's talking about the baptism. In this account, it doesn't go into the details of the baptism of Jesus. But he's basically saying there, man, I didn't even know him. I, I didn't realize who this guy was. But when I baptized him, like the Holy Spirit said it like a, a dove and stayed on him. And 33, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom... You see the Spirit descend and remain. 
This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So there's kind of the story. Now, let me, let me pull out a few pieces for you. Pull out 29. Focus on that for a moment here. Consider this. The next day he saw Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, please help us. And that, that's just really my prayer because this stuff is so familiar. Like, Lord, please, please help us to see it fresh because it's so important. That's my heart about John, why I'm presenting John to you guys, is I just, I'm convinced that we have to periodically get out of our heads and get back to the basics of what is true. Because we have a God who saves us, not by what we know, but our ability to believe him and have faith in him. And we've got a nation full of people who say they believe in him, but what they try to do is just know more about him. So forgive us for that, God. Let us know you more. Let us hunger to know you more rather than thirst to know more about you. So, behold. We don't talk like that, right? Yeah, but the Lamb of God. I know that's lost on us. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Does that mean something to you? Does that, does that speak to you a little bit? What's, what's sin mean? It's a church word. What's that? To miss the mark. Yeah. Now, understand if we're created by a creator, we're created for a purpose. As a matter of fact, so many purposes. And he is so brilliant, God can do a million, an infinite number of things at once. It's just, it blows my mind when you look back at, you are doing those hundred things with that one event. How in the world did you think of that? Because he's God and I'm not. But, but you look at that, you have a purpose, and any time you don't hit your mark, any time you fall short of your purpose, the Bible describes that as this word sin. It's like, oh man, that's not what I was created to do. That is not who I am. You are a good, good father, right, Emily, as we're singing? And I'm loved by you. And so you created me for a particular purpose. And every time I don't live to that purpose, it hurts me. It hurts everyone around me, and it hurts the father. And so what he's saying is this Jesus guy, somehow he's this lamb of God who's going to take away all those sins from the people of the world. Well, this idea of lamb of God, let me, let me tell you first of all, if we kind of go back to the beginning, we talked about that. Please understand, God had a way for us to live with him forever like in bodily form. And when we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, what was given to us is, is futility of life. The nature itself was thrown out of whack. Our bodies began to age and deteriorate, and surely we would die. Now, not only were we physically going to die, we were going to spiritually die and be absent from God, but Jesus came that we might spiritually live forever. And that's why he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Right? 
And I know well, that's not today to get into the difference between being baptized by the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like a category of something. That's not what that says. What it's saying is to be immersed, like to be soaked, to be absorbed in the Holy Spirit, like, oh, because everywhere you read in the Bible, all the things that you need to do to come from God and to act holy and righteous like the Lord is holy and righteous, to imitate him, to practice him, it's only possible by the juice of God himself. You understand that? It's only possible by his power, which you've been just immersed in and filled with and surrounded by all at the same time. And that is our only hope. Now, here's kind of the bummer. Even when that happened, well, maybe not a bummer because I don't think I want to keep this body forever. But the bummer is this body is still deteriorating, Right? And your apple tree still froze at a random time, so you don't have any fruit on there, okay? There's futility of this life. Your body is going down. And you're each a ticking time bomb, right? Waiting to stop and be free from this life to the next. But spiritually, you've been made alive with Christ forever. Right? But, but Paul... Most people think it's Paul, the author to the letter to the Roman Christians, said, understand in Romans 6.23, he says, for the wages of sin is death. Once sin entered, death had to happen. And if you look in the past, in the Old Testament, they created these sacrificial systems. And kind of what would happen is you would realize your sin. And then there would be these Day of Atonement where they would, they would kill pure lambs, spread blood because something had to die because you sinned. It's, it's like our dog, right? He's small and intimidated. So when you start play fighting with him, he'll, instead of biting you, he gets angry and bites like his bed or the couch, right? So it's like that. Something had to die to absorb God's wrath. So, okay, we'll kill this lamb and put the blood and it would pay for our sins. Surprise, surprise, it didn't work, right? It, the sacrificial system was never going to save anyone. It was an image, a picture of what Jesus was going to do. Okay, so back into Genesis, you see this already. And then in Leviticus, when they're setting up the nation, they had, they had processes for burnt offerings, and, and they would, you know, kill the lamb, and they would spread the blood on the altar outside the tent of meetings. So it was like that purification for sin had to happen before you could go talk with God like a homie, right? Okay? And then in Passover, they celebrate Passover. You guys remember that story? Uh, you know, Egypt won't let the people go. God gives them plagues and plenty of chances, and, you know, and God tells Moses, hey, the death is going to come over the land. It's going to kill every firstborn in Egypt. But here's how you avoid it. You're going to sacrifice this lamb, and you're going to spread the blood over the, over the sides and the top of your door frame. And then tonight, when death goes through the land, your household will be spared if there's been a blood sacrifice. So since then... Every year, they would celebrate what would happen because it worked what God said. And it was sort of the last straw, right, that set God's people free. And so every year, they would do this. They would sacrifice Passover lambs, and that blood would try to forgive them of their sin. So to you, it might not mean a lot, but to them, they're like, whoa, this is the lamb that God provided. 
Jesus is the lamb that God provided. But you know what's interesting? They didn't get it. And it's easy to point and laugh at them, but they didn't get it. They were like, oh, lamb of God, whatever. We don't want to talk about that. Talk to me about the Christ. Okay? Now, I, I want to... I don't want to spend too much time here, but I asked this question, something I was praying about. Would the titles Lamb of God and Christ have different meanings? Because he was like the Lamb of God, and I I really see it when I look at that, and you see that the people, they're like, I don't care about that. Where's the Christ? You see, what the Christ was, is he was going to rescue them from their circumstance. He was going to come into the world, not against it, but to join in it. Like, they were doing good because they were God's people. They just needed a king. So when's the Christ going to come in, kick the Romans' butt so we can get our land back? When's the Christ going to come and agree with all of us religious leaders that we're doing the right thing? The Messiah, the anointed one. He's going to come rescue us in our circumstance, rescue us in our world systems. The problem about the Lamb of God is the Lamb of God says this, you're... World systems are junk. They're garbage. They're broken because they're made by people who don't get it. It's like, hey, let me present you, Brandon, with this chair. It was made by a blind guy in the dark. And it's, you have to get in a ladder to sit on there. Hopefully you don't fall. We're going to put a little spike under it for you. And we're like, oh, this is great. It's about how our world systems are, right? And that's what we constantly see. The religious leaders of the time, the political leaders of the time for the nation of Israel were like, you're going to come and not interrupt the nation of Israel, right? You're just going to join us and make us better. The Christ. But he's like, no. I'm the lamb. I'm going to die so all of you can get forgiven for your dumb systems and all your sin. I'm going to turn everything upside down. Now, as a point of reflection, I think the question you have to ask ourselves is, uh, am I doing the same thing? Because I, I strongly believe the only reason to go back over this is if there's something fresh and new. You don't need a history lesson. I believe that every day, throughout all time, and however long this world tarries until Jesus comes back to set it right, God will keep coming for new people. The new generation of people who have come in. This is your time and this land for you to live, and God is coming for you now. Just like he came for them then. But we have to understand something as we prepare our hearts. That's what John the Baptist is doing. Preparing our hearts to understand. You got to check your belief systems because your belief systems are full of stuff. Let me give you some examples. That'll be super offensive. Okay? But it's my job to speak truth to you. Right now in this land, we believe certain things, okay? Some of us have religious backgrounds. And what we want is the Christ to come in and bless our religion. And some of our religion is anti-religion. Some of us love just to watch stuff on YouTube and sit in our living room and never invest in anyone's life. I'm not going to tell you right or wrong, but read the Bible a little bit and see how quick you come to a conclusion that that's not what God wants you to do, okay? Others of you, you're really waiting for some church to save you. 
I'll just get, I'll give you a hint on that one. Nah. Like I'm the pastor of this church. I'm a mess. Okay. I can't save you. I'm treading water myself. If you hop on my back, we're both going to drown. Okay. So that's not the way this works. So if that's your belief system, we got to throw that junk out. He came to smash it. Right? Now, not to be rebellious, we still played four songs because we think it works. The lights went down. We talked about missions. We think all those things are important. And all the brothers and sisters that did us before it, I'm giving them a high five. I'm with you, dude. I totally think it helps. And I think it's wonderful. And like, man, you're really seeing real work of God, you know? And here we're like, well, I painted someone's fence because, you know, that's what, okay, well, that's great. Anything about Jesus? No. Could they have hired someone? Yeah, we just thought it'd be nice, right? Like, that's cool that we're doing that, but you got like women in prostitution saying, hey, you might die, but let me show you hope. And then I'll tell you where hope comes from. I mean, that's awesome. So yes, keep on do it. Make necklaces, make that for sure, man. That's gonna help promote the kingdom of God, okay? But you've got to challenge that. The other thing is the whole American thing. We're really stuck in the fact that we think God is dependent on America to save all of humanity for all time. He's really not. I mean, God bless America, okay? God bless America, but it's not his hope. America's hope on the other, fact, uh, the other half is that you have people who love God and live here. It's backwards. The nation of Israel wasn't wrong. There was tons of faithful people in there. But the leaders got so caught up that the whole world was dependent on the nation of Israel, right? As a matter of fact, they didn't care about the rest of the world. They were going to save themselves. And even in your homes, you have, we have these smaller little systems in place. Like we put on a brave face and we're not honest. We hide the dark and dirty parts of us. Because you just don't do that and be a Christian. All of those things are being challenged. Okay. Listen to the way Peter wrote this. 1 Peter 1, 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Do you see that? What's the word feudal mean to you guys? Senseless, useless, kind of without purpose or point, empty, Shallow. So what Peter's saying is some of the things that were carried down through the generations are not helpful. They're not actually true. Anyone else have somebody older than them tell them some verse was in the Bible that wasn't there, that was just said by some historical character? Yeah. Any of you still think the sinner's prayer is in the Bible? That's not. What about cleanliness is next to godliness? No, not in the Bible. That's how old women shame young women. It's not true. Right? These are these things that are inherited. They're, they're, but we've been rescued from those. Especially us, man. We have so much information that right here in 2022, we can go back to John and say, wait a second, let's slow down a minute and let's, let's let Jesus be presented again to us. Start with John the Baptist. What's he doing? He's hollering, you guys need someone to save you. Well, which one are you? Are you, are you the prophet? Are you Elijah? Are you the Christ? I'm none of those things you think I am. I'm none of those things that you think I am. I am simply the one in the wilderness saying, 
make straight the ways for the Lord. He's going to come and level everything out. Well, what were you baptizing for? I was putting them in the water so that they would confess their sins and that it would be washed away. But really all I'm doing is just waiting until Jesus would come and do it for real. So what if we take our place in that? What if you preach this to yourself? Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. So here's what I want you to consider today as we're preparing for what's next. On the next day, you can even use your imagination. Do you know that that could be okay? Are you allowed to do that? Can we do that in God's kingdom? Can you use your imagination a little bit? You ever seen someone like walk into a room and you noticed them? I mean, Jesus, right? You could even use blonde feathered hair if it makes you comfortable, okay? I don't think it's evil. But Jesus walked in, and he's like, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the way in which we can have all our sins forgiven, Corey. There he is. There he is. Imagine that, Chris. I don't think he said it any better. I don't think he could say it any better. So just because I like it this way, would the praise team come back up? This is where I'm supposed to, yeah, see, Rich, I'm supposed to insert some like fancy prayer, right? That you pray and it makes everything better. But that's, that's added, Right? That's what we added. Other people added that. And not that it's wrong, okay? Not that it's wrong, but, but let's not go too far right now because we got lots more of John to go through, okay? But here's what I want you to focus on right now. Okay. I do this because here's what I found. Let me pull back the curtain, okay? So you can see the Wizard of Oz from the, behind the curtain. As soon as they start singing, you'll stop praying. So I'm going to ask Emily and them, and then just to just to play for a little bit while you actually pray about this. But I'd love for you just to dwell on that. There he is. The one who can cleanse me from all my sin. That's it. Can we... What would I say to him? What would you say, Randy? Forgive me. Forgive me. What would you say? What would you say? You say, what? (laughs) That's good. You'd probably go towards him. 
on your knees. Yeah. This came back to mind. Some ladies shared this, and they were studying this, and they said, you know, and I, and I didn't vet this, but it seems really true. They're like, in the Eastern culture, when Jesus came, you'd be presented with an opportunity to, to believe something, and then once you believed it, then you would learn everything about it. But in the Western culture, we flipped it the other way. And so now it's like, eh, I want all the information. Especially in today's age, we've been lied to so much. There's so much fine print. But I think we need to flip our mind back around. And, and, and let's not talk about all the implications. Just picture, if you will, that John, if John's done his job, even in 2022, he would say, prepare your hearts because Jesus is coming. He's going to level it all. Right? Like everything. Woo! It's going to level everything and make it new. Behold, the gift of God to forgive all our sins and make everything right. Let me just pray and then you guys pray, Lord. Wow. Just want John's ministry just to continue on. It's your ministry. Just that right now as we're going to read about Jesus' life. Just look, Jesus, there he is, the one that God has provided to forgive me of my sin. And now I just ask that you would speak to everyone if, Now what? How do we respond? And Lord, I won't say amen because it's not done, but we just want to sit in consideration of this truth in your presence. What would you have us do? Thank you, Lord.